Welcome to Medicine Wisdom with Lena Franklin. Over the next hour, you are going to go through a journey of transformation and self-realization. Now, here is Lena. Hello, and welcome to Medicine Wisdom. I'm Lena Franklin, modern medicine woman, transpersonal psychotherapist, and founder of the East Institute. Medicine Wisdom is a radio talk show that will teach you that to journey inward is your highest calling, that you have the power to heal yourself, and that your power and purpose exists within your medicine. Your medicine is here to help heal and transform the world. And I am so honored and incredibly excited to introduce a dear sister today as our guest. We have Mother Jaguar. She is a beloved shaman from the Yawanawa tradition, and she is a descendant of African and Yuchi heritage and has studied alongside deep and connected indigenous shamans of Brazil, Africa, and Peru for 13 years. When I first met this incredible woman, there was a deep resonance of recognition and um, soul connection. And so without further ado, I honor and introduce the beloved Mother Jaguar. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. So this episode, um, you know, I was really tuning into our connection and and the the show and really what wanted to channel through. And so we're going to be talking about the path of the medicine woman. And for all of us who are dedicated to this calling, the soulful calling, um, I really feel there's a very potent journey of initiation and not just one initiation perhaps, but multiple ones that surface throughout our lives to continue to help guide us through the false veils of illusion, of fear, of ancestral trauma that have landed within us. We can continue to transmute and be guides uh, within our own lives and for other humans on this path. So I would be honored and I would love for you, Mother Jaguar, to share about perhaps your spiritual awakening and what guided you onto this path of truly embodying your essence as a medicine woman. Yes, there's so so many stories, uh, but I have to begin uh, that my my first awakening didn't happen with uh, plant medicines or entheogens. It happened through my life just falling apart and being a mother of five and realizing that I was repeating some of the same patterns that uh, was causing me a lot of suffering uh, in life and making some of the hardest decisions as a mother to survive uh, kept landing me in the same situation. And I was truly tired of living. um, And I felt like a failure to not only my children, my family and myself, and didn't really feel as if I was worthy of being here on this beautiful planet. And I decided that I was going to take the time to research how to end my life um, in the most humane way that I could think of so that my children wouldn't have that lasting trauma. And so over a year I was collecting 
you know, pictures of my children for the ones that I could find uh, because we had a fire when my children were young. So we lost a lot of our um, older pictures. And so it's collecting and creating a scrapbook, if you will, uh, to leave behind so they could see that it wasn't their fault. You know, um, I was thinking about a lot of these things. So I started also collecting Percocets um, from my mother who had a lot of health issues at the time and she was taking a lot of different type of medication but one of those uh, for pain was Percocets I believe it was for the gout at the time and so every once in a while I would take one or two pills and uh, ended up with around 21 to 26 pills I can't remember I knew it was over 20 mm -hmm. and um, maybe eight months after my planning which was in September of 2007, I decided to take my life. And I went to a hotel nearby, planned a text message to my then husband uh, to go out at a certain time so he could find me. And I took all of those pills and woke up in the morning as if nothing happened, <laughs> um, which was very strange for me. It was a very confusing time because I I thought this was going to be carried out. And I actually felt my body shift. I felt my heart, you know, responding to the medications I took. Um, everything seemingly slowed down for me. And the last thing I remember is maybe the hot, warm tears running from my eyes into my ear. And um, I woke up and no, you know, adverse reactions or anything. And at that moment, I believe that's when I started to have a real conversation because I was somewhere in between angry that it didn't happen and confused um, as to if something stopped this from happening. And, mm -hmm. um, and I started to speak to what I called God at that moment, but I really didn't have any knowing, you know, that God exists, only what other people told me uh, and going to church and being a Baptist girl growing up in the South, uh, I didn't know. Uh, but I started to speak out loud um, in this very upset tone, like I'm tired. I don't know <laughs> why I'm still here, uh, but if you are real, um, I need help and I need help now. And I don't wanna be here anymore. And that's when I experienced for the first time what I thought, what I look back and see, because we have the verbiage for it now, is an awakening or a kundalini rising, um, where this energy started to permeate my body. And it was a very delicious, beautiful, intelligent energy um, that had a voice of its own um, that came through me. And it landed me in a very hysterical place where, you know, I was... I was crying because this was happening and I knew that it was happening inside of me, but also laughing that this is actually possible, <laughs> you know, right. for it to happen. And so I started to have this conversation with God that lasted for like maybe 30 to 40 days at night between two and three in the morning, I was being woken up to continue conversations. Mm. So that's, that's my real awakening. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So in, thank you for sharing that so honestly and, and candidly, um, as you sat 
in those moments of suffering and you were guided into that room and then clearly um the the portal opening with your relationship to God and spirit, those 30, 40 days after, was it a calling each night to continue to commune and open and be in conversation? Did it feel like an intentional practice? Step our listeners into what that was, because what a magnificent and monumental shift in, oh, I mean, I have chills through my whole body, but in, in your ability to open and receive. Yeah. Um, I didn't trust many things, um, at all growing up. I didn't even trust the church, um, (laughs) when I was growing up. Um, so I didn't have the concrete awareness that most of my elders claim to have, like my mother and my grandfather and, you know, people in my family. Um, so this was monumental to me, um, to have this experience of God talking directly to me within me. Um, and I remember saying before I left the, the hotel, after trying to take my life, I was saying to God, I don't want to ever, you know, uh, never forget this moment. Um, please, you know, I, I need this to happen again, <laughs> I need it mm-hmm. to happen again. Because even at that time, I knew that maybe some of my awareness was fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would get these ideas to change your life and habits, and then somehow you would fall back into the grips of uh, suffering again. And so I knew at that moment that I, I was like, God, make this real, you know, mm-hmm. in my life so mm-hmm. that I never forget this experience. And so the night that I went home, I remember going home to my husband and children at the time, um, different and very present, more present than I've ever been as a mother, um, which children run up to you and they have all these things that they want to tell you all at once and they need all these things from you. And so I'm constantly, you know, trying to placate to everything that they needed, but not really being patient and and present and listening to them without any anxiety. And Mm. so that was the first thing that I noticed was anxiety was gone. Wow. And that I could fully receive my children without having to act or, or to feel as if I'm failing because I'm not doing something they need me to do. Um, And that night, you know, my husband, you know, said to me, are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, and I went to bed and just like clockwork, uh, at 2.22 AM, it was just like this gentle nudge and to wake up. And I woke up and, uh, and I was told to, you know, go sit in the room, which at that time was my living room. My husband was in the bed and I sat in the room and was told to this voice said to keep it dark. Don't turn on any lights. Just sit with me on the floor and let's talk. And I was like, okay. And I was a little giddy about it because it was, this is happening. So, (laughs) so I sat down and the first thing I felt uh, was this 
and what I call unconditional love. And I know everybody has their own idea of what that means. Uh, but how I translate it is God was saying, there's nothing, absolutely nothing you can do or have done that would keep me away from you. And that would stop me from loving you. Like I love you through and through mistakes. Your mistakes are not even as big as you claim them to be. <laughs> right. And, and I did, I thought all of my mm -hmm. mistakes were, you know, detrimental to my family and has continued my family to suffer in ways mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of. So God was, no, that, that is small potatoes. Wow. <laughs> you know, we can move through that, you know? And so I've seen these times and every night as building a relationship with God that allowed me to instill more trust in some of the things that I didn't have trust in before. Mm -hmm. And also trusting God and God's guidance mm -hmm. um, because it was a very intelligent um, conversation that we were having. And every day was always something that I was unpacking about questions that I had about life. And so I was, God became somewhat of the genie in the bottle for me. Like, well, go ahead, what questions do you have? What do you wanna ask me? You know, and I was like, well, how did we, how do we get here? How are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how are we created? And I was led, you know, it wasn't always immediate answers, but God wanted me to see uh, information that was around me that was, that I could see as proof as to I'm not having some cracked up episode with myself. <laughs> so I was being led to uh, people and uh, experiences and literature. Uh, and at the time I was praying uh, five times a day. So I was studying Sufism um, and Islamic, it was a sect of Islam, which is the most mystical uh, sect of Islam uh, that is connected to the swirling dervishes and how they connect with God. And so I was study, studying that and I realized that praying five times a day was actually giving me the discipline to sit down and have these conversations and being fully connected to God all the time, every second, every minute. So this went on, it was comical and then it was you know, some of it was beautiful and comical and some of it was hard hitting, you know, truth that I needed to unveil about my own decision making mm -hmm. in life so I could get to the root of my own suffering. Oh, how beautiful. And it really sounds like, you know, as you're describing this communion and the different layers of conversation and as you're in communication with God, how did that impact your relationship with yourself in the sense of self-trust and inner guidance? And also the question coming through because you, you opened in this awakening in a moment of profound darkness. How did that also impact your desire and your motivation to continue on your human journey? Well, with the first question, how it impacted me, uh, people around me could see that I was walking more confidently. Mm -hmm. 
I was always stricken by so much anxiety of just being, you know, first a, a mother, but also a black woman and raised here in America. And I was working corporate jobs at the time. Um, that was really hard for me being in those, what I call soulless structures. Um, that's always been a hard thing for me um, because it didn't have or align with my own morals um, as a human being, um, some of the things that they were doing in corporate America. And so going to work and people seeing this new way of me being, I was constantly being you know, told, you know, you seem different. Mm. Um, everything good with you? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, everything's good with me. And just really being able to connect with people more um, through that. Being uh, sexually molested as a child, you have to understand that I, I didn't trust anyone. Mm. <laughs> I didn't trust anyone. I observed people a lot. Uh, just to see if they had the capabilities of hurting or harming me the way that I was harmed as a child. So I didn't really connect with people. I, what I'd say, I, I connected with their exterior, uh, but I didn't really fully connect with them. And so having conversations with them where I'm looking them in the face and very still and sure of myself, um, because I felt like I had God on my side and inside of me <laughs> was very peculiar. Because I went from night to day um, and my mother, you know, during that time just had this side eye, you know, mm -hmm. she didn't, had no clue what was going on. She mentioned that, you know, I, I love what's going on with you right now. Um, our conversations are more compassionate. Um, there's a sense of understanding that you have that, you know, that I hadn't seen before because I was a, I was pretty reckless, you know, with social interactions with people before and including my mom. Um, but everybody could see that I changed. So it, it, I had much more my backbone was a lot more straight. And when you mentioned, a, you had a podcast where you were, or I think maybe you mentioned something about a podcast and you were talking about, I absolutely have no more fear. Mm -hmm. um, that was the first thing that I noticed going out into public is that there was no fear. And it might've been because I knew something else existed mm -hmm. um, on the other side that I had, no fear about what was going to happen to me in this lifetime anymore, that I had a connection to divine beloved source that is now taking care of me. And so the fear of the world left, um, mm. which very significant uh, for me living in America um, and made me stand out in ways that I quite wasn't ready for. Um, going out into the public because people thought I came, I'm, I'm in Georgia and yes. I would go out and people thought I came from someplace else. You know, where are you from? I was constantly asked that question. Where are you from? You know, are you from Georgia? I'm like, yeah, I'm a Georgia girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the light of God can somewhat separate you from the matrix of life and you know, the systems that are put in place here 
because you have no fear. Right. I want to pause and really sit in that moment. The light of God, when it's flowing through us and embodied within us and surrounding us can help us really endure and, and exist and work in the matrix of the illusion. And yes. I thank you. Thank you for that, because I feel as a medicine woman and you know, person on the path of awakening and for all, all everyone tuning in, you know, as, as you're continuing your own heroic human journey, that truth can continue to give us the sustenance needed in order to do the work to dissolve the false in service of the truth, which is the essence of unconditional love. And clearly, you know, you, you shifted and stepped into your world and society and, you know, you know, being a black woman in the South and also embodying this potent light, I'm sure was um, very interesting and maybe even confusing for people that you came into contact with. Yeah, very mm -hmm. confusing. Yes. Um, I shared my story, you know, I remember wanting to go onto the rooftops and just tell everybody this experience mm -hmm. that I had and uh, was compounded with this energy from God it was like, not yet. Let's have some discernment. Right. You can't tell everybody this. And that was hard because, I, you know, my, my husband at the time, we were going through a separation, but we were very still, we we're really close. We, we were best friends. Um, and he was watching, he was a witness to all of this unfolding. So he knew some of the, and he still does, he knows, um, a lot of the stories that I, you know, after I had my connection with God, I would, he would be up and listening. So he was a witness to a lot of the things that I went through and it changed him, um, a lot because he's seen the wife that was combative and argumentative and, you know, uh, loud about everything and, you know, angry about everything, go from that to peace and stillness. He was confused. Wow. Um, and so he, it changed him too and the people mm -hmm. around me. And uh, after this whole journey with God at night, um, I remember asking God, I, what do you want me to do? You know, I know at this point, I am, I know, like, I know, like, I know, like, I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, <laughs> I only want to be connected to you for the rest of my life, eternally. Yes. Yes. And whatever guidance that you give me, you know, I'm so grateful that you would even open this conversation with me to fill me with this divine wisdom mm -hmm. that I only want to be on your team. <laughs> yes. So take me off the bench, put me in the game. What do you want me to do? What do you want me and, to do? Yes. And God was like, I want you to speak now. I, kind of failed in that a little bit because there were some, I didn't know what to say in a world back then that was hadn't arrived to this space that we're in now. Mm -hmm. um, plant medicine wasn't even on my radar, you know, at that moment, but I knew that awakenings can happen for anyone at any place, at any time, you know, during plant medicines, uh, religiously, if you're seeking the source, um, then you're going to find the source, you know, no matter yes. what path you're on, if you're seeking the source, you're going to find it. 
so it was hard to speak at that time. And um, I didn't want to become a hypocrite. <laughs> so, yeah. so I've been working, I've been on that path a while now is to open up that channel because we have something, that type of experience can be transferred um, to another just from hearing my story. And I've seen this happen in alchemy you know, just talking to someone and showing them and giving them my knowingness instead of my belief. Right. Um, it right. shifts them. It does. It's a literal transmission. I feel yes. it in this moment as you're sharing the alchemy of your story. I truly believe, you know, we can see a part of ourselves in someone else's story. And when we actually receive that and take it in as medicine, it becomes know, our own transmutation process. Yeah. And, you know, each, each dark night of the soul, each um, moment that brings us to our knees, none of us are exempt from it, right? Being these, mm -hmm. you know, these souls in this kind of wild, I call it a human meat sack, yeah. <laughs> this wild human form. It's, yes. it's, I mean, you, you used the word comical earlier, which I feel like is, is absolutely needed that lightness uh, because yeah, the depth, the depth of the path in the disintegration phases, it's, it's intense. So I'd, I want to ask you before we go on break, because I really, um, I've been sitting with this in different facets of my own spiritual journey. And I know everyone has a different relationship with divine spirit, with great spirit, with God. How would you describe God in your, from your perspective and from your heart? God is the love that we've been seeking for ourselves. Like there's a quick forgiveness and uh, a healthy expansion of understanding um, as related to a parent and child, you know, it's nothing that my child could do, you know, that would stop or cut my love off from my child, even if it was the most heinous thing. Um, that doesn't stop me from loving my child. Um, and so that unconditional love is very guiding because you don't want to, you know, blurry that love for God. If God is saying, hey, this has been hurting you for a while. Um, and if you want to change that, you should. And of course, we might bump our heads 50 to 100 times, but God is still there waiting, you know, for mm. you to change that. So you don't hurt anymore. And God is not masculine or feminine either. No. <laughs> that the words coming through is in the, the energy of divine spirit and God love is always loving you. And yes. the remember, the remembrance of knowing that there is absolutely nothing that we could do to falter and have that love be denied to us is sustenance for the soul that can continue to guide us onward. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to, um, to hear more about you know, your, your journey as a medicine woman and your training. I know a lot of your training happened in Brazil and your work with plant medicine. And I know that's something that we both share. So um, we're going to be back after a short break. And when we get back, we'll dive into Mother Jaguar's continued beautiful and powerful journey of embodying her truth as a medicine woman. Stay tuned.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Medicine Wisdom with Lena Franklin. Have a question for Lena or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Medicine Wisdom. We're here with the incredible Mother Jaguar. And she has been sharing her story of awakening and communing with God, opening to be that pure vessel and portal to connect with the light of God and how that has guided her on her journey. And Mother Jaguar, I'd love to continue diving into your story. And as you integrated and continued your practice of connecting with the wisdom and the light of God, how did that then kind of usher you forward into your training and initiation work as a medicine woman um, I know, especially in Brazil, you had some really powerful experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so coming from a broken, you know, culture uh, in my family, a lot of this stuff wasn't, you know, normal. The things that I, the path that I struck out on wasn't normal, but totally being guided by God at that moment, because I was asked to, you know, God, take me off the bench, put me in the game. And and I remember stating, you know, because we had some comical conversations as well. And I remember saying, wow, I wish I could take this whole experience and put it in a bottle and, th- you know, pour it down people's throats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. True medicine. <laughs> and I laugh about it now because you don't realize what you're speaking at that moment, mm-hmm. you know, but then you know, later here comes ayahuasca. Oh. 
and working with the tribes. But before even ayahuasca, being a Sufi on the path of uh, Islam, um, I had those tools and I was going throughout these different places where God was, you know, giving me these tools to help transform my life, but not being totally attached to uh, the religious uh, places, you know, um, or the religious doctrine. So um, I, I met this, my first teacher, uh, which was from Mali, South Africa. Um, his name is Tijan. And he was a mystic in his own right, where a lot of the African community here from out of Islam brought him here, you know, at least one year out of maybe every, every other year he would come and stay for a year um, to be a spiritual guide to some of the people here in Atlanta. And I didn't know this at first, but I just met him at the 14th Street Masjid uh, a library where, uh, or a bookstore where I was looking for a transliteration uh, Quran because I really wanted to understand the, the prayers uh, that I was making in Arabic. And, and when I seen the price of the Quran, it was a lot more because it was transliteration than a regular Quran. It was like, oh, that's a little expensive. And I don't know, I've never paid this much for a book in my life. But he grabbed the book and asked me if I really wanted it. And he asked me why. And when I told him why, he bought the book. And then he offered, you know, to study with him because I wanted to learn how to write Arabic. Um, he was like, you're welcome to come to my place. I'm here, you know, for a whole year. Just came from Mali. And you're welcome to come, you know, for three hours a day uh, to learn with me. And while I was there, I'm watching all of these African people come into his home and he takes them in this room and he does readings for them. Wow. And he gives them spiritual baths uh, or he gives them a bottle of something that he created the days before and he sends them home with that. And, you know, I didn't question it at first because I just didn't want to be in his business, <laughs> but <laughs> it was happening so much to where I was like, so who are you really? <laughs> what are you doing? and formed a really beautiful relationship with him. So I called him my first teacher and he taught me a lot of the mystics of, of the Dogon people and mm. gave me a lot of stories around the Namo and the water people and how they delivered information to the Dogon about the star systems, which at that time, you know, the Dogon is the first uh, tribe that, you know, uh, talked about Sirius B. And mm. I don't think anyone knew about it at the time. And so I was just excited about all of this information and led to different teachers. So after him, then led to Sukiyomarikari, which is a Japanese-based spiritual system here in Decatur. Um, it's a well hidden, but I wish everybody knows about it. They, they dedicate their life to giving light uh, to people, which is, a, I guess, a form of Reiki, mm -hmm. where they give light to people in the 22 meridians of their body. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a constant thing that they do for free um, mm -hmm. in Decatur. And, and I started working with them and taking and got initiated to give light uh, with the Omitama and uh, listening to a lot of their wisdom that came out of Egypt. And I thought that was fascinating that these Japanese people are using ancient Egyptian spiritual techniques wow. uh, for healing and cleansing the body. And that led me to, uh, after that experience, that led me to 
the beautiful Haru Kuntanawa um, and Asorani from the Shipipo tribe and other teachers that came from out of Peru. And I started working with plant medicine at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. So as you were really receiving these teachings and um, being guided on your journey to develop um, your wisdom and really continue to like tilling the soil, that inner medicine woman, how can you share some about your first experiences with plant medicine and, and how those plant spirits called you and how it impacted your life? Well, I was at a gathering one day and, and I had been, you know, I'm an avid researcher of a lot of spiritual things and mm -hmm. I love to hear deep dropped in authentic truth, you know, um, especially being able to uncover my own truth. I can kind of tell when someone is dropping into a, the real stories of their life mm -hmm. and I'm fascinated by the things that people can experience, you know, um, from as saying certain things or using mantras or chanting, uh, mm -hmm. because I would somehow feel that too, is when I would chant or sing certain things, I would trance into a place that connected me uh, with God and with right. great spirit. So uh, I was already researching, you know, uh, different things on YouTube and something kept coming up in my a video feed uh, stories of ayahuasca in the jungle. And, and I don't even know if I knew how to pronounce it at that time, but it just kept coming up. And, and it was at this gathering that I heard the word again and someone had just returned from Peru. And so I, you know, just started ear hustling a little bit and want to know what was, how is, how am I hearing about this in this party? You know, mm -hmm. And I uh, had a chance to speak with the young lady at that time and I was invited uh, to a ceremony. Mm. And uh, it was the most profound experience of my life. And it felt like all of the, the baggage or just all of the beliefs that maybe I stored in my body um, emptied out in that one night session. Mm. Um, and not discrediting my own awakening, the first awakening I had with God, um, it did a lot of clearing for me too, but it didn't clear necessarily the things that were stored, you know, that needed to be realigned mm -hmm. uh, in my body. And I feel that's what plant medicines did for me is that it realigned me um, perfectly uh, with my purpose and also right. with my bloodline, my we didn't know much about my family's bloodline up until plant medicine. It led me through this genealogy or to people that could explain um, my family's heritage and where we really came from, which made complete sense from some of the things that I was witnessing, you know, vividly in my sessions with ayahuasca. I'm seeing all these colors and these um, this, this feeling of being uh, in the jungle or with a tribe, like this is nothing new. I've been doing this for eons, or at least right. people in my bloodline have been doing this for eons, consulting with some plant matter or some entheogen to connect them with 
the great spirit. Right. Oh, this the recognition of the con- the continuation. I'm getting this image of um, vines or or even mycelium, the interconnectedness of your soul continuing to usher forward those traditions that have been existing for so many thousands of years. And thank you for sharing the profound nature of that that experience with Grandmother Ayahuasca. Uh, she too was my my first. Um, plant medicine ceremony, and I was going through a complete life disintegration of the illusion of falseness that I had co-created for myself based on fear and based on my conditioning and the attachment to the external and what people thought. And so her magnificent guidance uh, really helped to purge those subconscious beliefs that were so deeply entrenched. And defended by the ego mechanisms that were tightly locked on the life that I knew it. And so, you know, it's one of the the beautiful aspects of the medicine. And when you, when you really sit with your relationship with grandmother ayahuasca and her spirit, what is that like? And maybe share with our listeners, what is her spirit? <laughs> Her spirit is like the grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, she really takes such beautiful care of you in that moment. And I would giggle sometimes because in the beginning um, of sitting with her, it was this fascination that I felt she had with me um, of being able to tap into my body the way that she did in my consciousness. And um, She's like your biggest cheerleader. <laughs> you know, mm, like, yes, I love that so much. Let's get this stuff out of you. Know. you know? <laughs> let's get it out. And um, I did a lot of crying my first um, time sitting with the medicine uh, because when the intelligence wakes up in you and you're aware that you have bought this ticket and you can't get off the ride. <laughs> you're um, in it. You're in it. it. (laughs) And I did a lot of crying because I was just like, oh my God, my mom is probably going to find me in this place dead. And I'm, Mm, oh my God. All the fear, all the fear. All of that stuff came up just because of the way that it's, you know, labeled as a drug, you know, Mm -hmm. or not something that is enriching to, uh, the, the way that we start to build a new earth and tribes within, um, this, this world that we're in now, like, it's very important to our humanness to connect to the earth and to the great spirit right now, we need the great spirit. And so I see ayahuasca as being that grandmother coming back saying, I need you to remember who you are. I need you to remember where you came from. Um, I need you to understand that everything that you have, uh, obtained, through all of the pain and the hurt that has happened on this earth is not yours. And you have some place to give it back to and it can't stay with you. And in order to free yourself from the bondage of this creation and your own creation, that you have to let this stuff go. So allow me to take it from you. 
mm-hmm. um, and allow me to make you aware of these things that has been crippling, you know, this world and Pachamama for a long time. And so I was very aware that she was undoing some very powerful um, programs. Um, and also the way that I believed about myself um, and who I was, was, you know, vastly cut off from, you know, uh, most people. Like I didn't know a lot about my family's history or our mm-hmm. customs or our culture or hair. I didn't know anything. Um, so I didn't have a path. Uh, so I thought um, until that moment. Mm-hmm. So ayahuasca comes in as the, as the rainbow bridge, if you will, right. um, to connect you back to your ancestor, ancestors and as well as back to the great spirit and Pachamama, to the all, to the oneness of creation. Yes. And, and as a medicine person, medicine woman, I see very clearly your role as an intermediary between this dense physical plane and all that is real and true for all of us. You're remembering who you are, this, the phrase, baby, remember who you are, remember who you are, remember where you came from, uh, continues to move through and that's it. That's her. And this, you know, the act of receiving her medicine is, um, you know, can, can feel, you know, obviously fears are coming to the forefront. So there's, can feel uncomfortable. And also it's this radical act of, of self-love to surrender and actually give, give up, almost like give over those programs and those energies that don't serve your highest self. And that's exactly what she does. Yes. And she's undoing some really powerful, you know, programs and releasing us from that old paradigm. So we can't mm -hmm. continue to practice the things from the old paradigm anymore. Right. We have to start to move with her new paradigm. <laughs> yes, yes. And and Pachamama needs us. You know, it's um yeah, we're we're not separate from. And I think that remembrance is important too. Our ancestors and also this beloved earth. And that's why we're here to help heal humanity and the earth. And the way we do that is to transmute those programs. And yes. so how do you, I know you, um, you work with groups. Do you work individually with folks or? I do. I think that's really, you know, some of my best work is intimate, mm-hmm. um, intimately working with someone one-on-one. Cause some people have their own, you know, especially, you know, in the community um, of color, like mm-hmm. there's, you know, so much um, trauma that has happened you know, generationally and as well, you know, during their time in life. And so they have a lot of anxiety of who they're around. So I find, you know, working with them intimately helps to build trust with them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like they're coming into uh, my hospital at that time to be taken care of and Mm -hmm. really nurtured through a lot of their pain to transmute a lot of that. So, but I do also work with groups. um, and every time I do work with groups, it's still epic. You know, it's beautiful yes, to see yes. the synergy of everyone come together and some of the unexplainable things that start to happen in ceremony. Right. It's, 
so hard to put into you can't put it into words right in the ceremonial um, experiences so as you're guiding groups and individuals i think this is a really important point because there's so much out there about psychedelics and plant medicine right now uh here at the east institute we're we're such strong proponents of the integration phase how do you you know, what are some of those key points in terms of helping someone integrate the internalized matrix and paradigms they've um, adopted and then are now transmuting and transforming? These were things that I really pondered about, you know, people coming out of these really beautiful experiences and then going back into the world and not having anyone to relate to uh, or having the environment to be able to integrate their experiences. Um, and so I started working on building, you know, somewhat of a um, an environment or uh, eco village, if you will, of people mm-hmm. um, and connecting with other people that are on this path so that they would have resources to do that. And integration is a big deal. Um, because after you leave a ceremony, you know, you're so full of Uh, the love and the joy and also some of the things, the awareness that is coming up that may be sorrowful for you. Um, And not knowing that some of these things could even happen, you know, could be a little Mm -hmm. mystical uh, for some. And in that awareness, you really have to integrate that awareness into their now moment so they can continue um, the movement of, you know, exposing the layers of, Mm -hmm of all the harm and the hurt and, you know, all of the belief systems that they had that got them to where they were. Um, so integration uh, after ceremonies, integration is a must. Sometimes I like to have integration right after ceremony. Um, um, I've done that a couple of times when called on by spirit, uh, just because sometimes spirit wants it fresh mm-hmm. um, with people. Cause when they leave, you know, they go back into the matrix of their lives and the people that they're around that have the same mindsets that has been created around them. Right. And so no wonder people want to be into a tribe afterwards because you want people to be speaking the same language, language. that you're speaking. <laughs> you right, know? right. So integration yeah. is very important. So I practice that as well. Um, we're also building a uh, pre pre-care and post-care, which is integration, but I realize pre-care is, is just as important as post-care now mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know anything about the traditional ways of serving this medicine and the dietas that you all do. And you know, some people don't know how to get their bodies and their vessels ready for uh, the ceremony. So, right. so yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And you know, I think it's... Um it's an integration to be a medicine person in the modern world uh, because you're right. People are going into these ceremonial experiences, especially if they're doing it, um, you know, they're not going off to Peru or Brazil and, you know, staying there for a a long period of time. They're doing it more kind of in the rhythm of their day-to-day life. So that integration piece is so vital. And I loved the way you you shared that really anchoring what they received in the now and how is that going to be embodied in their day-to-day actions, thoughts, and embodied practice of life, of being human. So share with us, Mother Jaguar, 
some of what you're, you're really passionate about. Um, if it's more about the work that you're offering, um, some of the initiatives perhaps that feel at the forefront of your heart and also how people can connect with you and learn more about your medicine and connect with your medicine. So something that is very close to me is right now, uh, after experiencing so much is diaspora ascending. Mm-hmm. Um, that dropped into my spirit uh, some years ago um, and we developed it because we realized that people of color needs, they need to repair before they ever decide to be when, you know, be one with everyone. Right. Um, they've had so much pain and heartache and uh, things to happen in their lives that they don't trust. And so uh, Diaspora Ascending will serve as somewhat of a repair village to give them time to heal a lot of that generational trauma um, and to walk them through getting to the place of being able to trust humankind again. Um, and I think that's pivotal. You know, like mm-hmm. we can't rush in our healing, you know, and say we're oneness when you have so much you know, anger and rage about what happened to you and your family. So let's start with the repairing and giving everyone time Mm -hmm. to slow down and heal. So diasporascending.org is what I've built. And hopefully we'll have a repair village um, somewhere soon that we can start this process in giving people of color time to heal and uh, focus on our new earth that is coming. Mm, Beautiful. And how can people connect with you, um, maybe on social or uh, directly to learn more about your work? I'm in the middle of uh, building another website. I took it down because I got, you know, really bogged down with everything that was going on. And I'm a very sensitive creature. <laughs> so it was a lot. Yeah. But uh, they can contact me by email at this time or on Instagram, Mother Jaguar on Instagram and on Facebook. Also, uh, Facebook, I have the Medicine Women Circle, as well as Diaspora Ascending on Instagram and uh, Facebook, but good old Gmail as well, themotherjaguar at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your courage, your light, and your medicine. And join us next week. We'll be with Melissa Ruiz, Quantum Business Queen and have a beautiful week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Medicine Wisdom with Lena Franklin. We hope today's episode was educational and helpful. Until we talk again next week, have a fabulous week.